Hello, Coastal. Good to see everybody this morning, and it's always good to be here. Praise the Lord. It's been a little while. I'm a little bit nervous, so pray for me. I'm going to do something a little bit unusual this morning. So if you will, in your GMC owner's manual, <laughs> this morning, let's turn to page 135. I'm really going to go over it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny how, how many people actually know where your owner's manual book is? Wow, okay. And most of them is women. <laughs> there you go. Probably in the glove compartment. That's where I got mine out just the other day. The owner's manual, like I said, when you buy a vehicle, I mean, even since the 60s, every vehicle had an owner's manual, right? And the reason they have this owner's manual is because most of the time it's when something goes wrong. Amen? So, I mean, you just don't pull this thing out and just read over it, do you? Just to pass time. It's like usually if something goes wrong, you, you go get your owner's manual to find out maybe what the problem is or what happened, what's going on. So, but it kind of relates to life. We're going to go over it. <laughs> if there's any mechanics in here, say hello. Wow. Okay. <laughs> We're all going to be lost this morning. Praise the Lord. The first thing in my owner's manual is, is talking about your battery. Okay, if your battery's dead, you're not going anywhere. Amen? Need a new battery. Need to get a charge. Next thing is cleaning. It's important to keep the inside, the outside, and your engine clean. All right? Then starting your engine. You can do anything you want to do with your vehicle, but if you don't crank it, you're not going anywhere again. I've tried pushing it, believe me. It's a lot better when you can crank it and you can drive it off. Then another thing, which talks about your filters. Keeping your filters clean. Oil filters, air filters, fuel filters. If you don't keep them clean, guess what you're going to have if you keep the car? Troubles down the road. I promise you. Keep your filters clean. And then fuses. Anybody in here know anything about fuses? You ever blown a fuse? I'm talking about in your car. Have you ever blown a fuse? When your fuse blows, you need to fix it real quick. So, very important, take care of your fuses. And then it talks about maintenance. The thing that I have an issue with, maintenance on my vehicle. But if I maintain it and I take care of it, usually when you get in it and you turn the key, you can go where you want to go. And then the next thing's power takeoff. That's where we like to be. Turn the key and take off. And then the next thing we have here is replacement parts. Okay. Yep. <laughs> You're going to have to replace some parts every now and then. If, if you don't, let me know what kind of vehicle you're driving because I want to buy one. And then you have service. Service your vehicles. Keep it serviced. And then the last thing. Last thing in the book is towing. Towing. That means uh, you broke down somewhere <laughs> and you had to get somebody to come tow you. So, it's kind of like in life. That would kind of be like biblical right there. 
to me because if you the same thing in life, kind of like. So we know about towing. We break down, you get towed. And usually in the end of our lives, we're towed somewhere. Amen. That's the last thing that'll happen to you. You're towed. <laughs> I didn't say towed. I said towed. Well, it's the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> towed is towed. <laughs> well, down in the south, we like to say hauled off. <laughs> you got to get hauled off. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. So we're going to get serious now. So this is your vehicle's owner's manual. Amen. Everybody's got one if you got a car. This is your personal's personal owner's manual. Same thing. Vehicle, your life. Unfortunately, I had to pull that rascal out of my glove compartment. Never look at it. Never open it up. Never hardly read it until something goes wrong. This is kind of like the same thing. It's on the coffee table. It's on the nightstand. Could be in your car. And it's like that. It's like sometimes the least thing that we want to read. And a lot of times until something goes wrong again. And we go to God's word. And we go to God. And that's what we should do. But this should be used more than any book or anything we have. And thank God, still today, it is the number one best-selling book in the world. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So today I want to talk to you about following Christ. But what I want to talk to you about is the cost of following Christ. Amen? If you will, turn your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, we're going to look in verse 57. Following Christ. In verse 57, chapter 9, it says, As they were uh, walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But then Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, he said, Come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, he said, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go ahead and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. And Jesus told him, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Following Christ means keeping him always in your sight. It means always keeping God in your sight. Always. Not looking back, but keeping Him focused. Keep Him in your focus. There's an old saying that says that uh, if you can't stand for something, that you'll fall for anything. And that's, we see that more and more in this day that we, we, we see how things are getting in life. But you have to stand for something or you're gonna, you'll fall for anything. And it's a very true statement. But reason, one reason we like to follow Jesus is because Jesus is the king of the world. Amen? Amen? He is the king of the world. But it's not because he had worldly possessions. You just heard he didn't even have a place to lay his head. 
Jesus didn't have a home. Jesus didn't have a car. Jesus didn't, he was from place to place standing in other people's homes, but he never even possessed a home. And he, did, he sure didn't have fortune and fame. Amen? He was not famous. And he had 12 disciples. He picked 12 disciples and then other people who followed him. And the, of course, there were multitudes of people that would come around and listen to him uh, when he preached. But he was not fortunate. He was not full of fame. And, and he sure wasn't a popular man, was he? No. The Pharisees wanted to trick him and trap him and kill him. Everybody wanted to kill him or something and, 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 and do away with him and kill him. So he wasn't popular. So those, those three reasons aren't the reason that uh, we follow Jesus today either, is it? I don't follow him because he was popular. I don't follow, follow him because he was fortunate and fortunate in fame. And, and I didn't follow him because of his possessions. But I will tell you this. I follow him because of who he is and who he was and is to come. That's why I'm following him. Because of who he is and who he was and who he is to come. Jesus wants us to be totally dedicated to him. Not half-heartedly. And I know about that. I've been there before. Half-heartedly. I remember, see, when I was real small, well, well, I got a big family. I have two brothers and four sisters. So that's a big family this day and time. And so when we were little, I mean, at time of birth, uh, my whole family had a drug problem because Mama and Daddy had us to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and they drugged us to church on Wednesday night. Thank God they did, but it was a bad drug problem. That was an awesome drug problem, amen? And when they did, I remember, uh, so the Lord dealt with me when I was really small, and um, so even when I was actually 12 years old, uh, I was saved at the age of 12. And I walked with the Lord, and man, I, I, I loved the Bible. And matter of fact, that's how I learned to read. I learned to read from the Bible. I didn't uh, do real well in school. So I started praying one day. I said, Lord, you got to show me how to read. And so the Lord said, read my word. And I did. But that's how I actually learned how to read. But um, so anyways, at 12, and I walked with the Lord for, uh, you know, until like in my late 20s. And um, I loved the Lord, but I got in the world, you know, started doing worldly things. And which is not good. And, but I still love the Lord the same. But I felt like, hey, I need to, you know, find out what it's like to be living in the world where everybody else is. Because like I said, growing up, we all had a drug problem. And we, we thought we had to live just like every, which we do, every step by the Bible. But anyway, so I walked away from the Lord for a while. And uh, at times I would, uh, I can remember I was, so, I was so dumb. I would be, you know, kind of like looking around. You feel like you do something wrong. Like God's getting ready to, you know spear you or spank you, what we call that, just spank you or whatever. And I felt guilty, and I knew I'd go to bed at night, I would still pray. And my prayer was, God, (laughs) I still love you. I know I'm not doing things that's pleasing you and things that's probably making you happy because I'm doing the worldly things, but God, I love you. And I know I'm living in sin and doing things in sin, and I would say, Lord, please don't let me die until I'm walking straight with you, a hundred percent. And I prayed that prayer over and over. And I remember one time the Lord spoke to me. He says, when are you going to change? When are you going to look at me and follow me and only me? I remember that. And so, so the Holy Spirit got on me. And I straightened up my life. And then thank God that's, that's what we did. Amen. And I'm glad I did. Well, I might not be here today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Some of y'all can probably say I understand that. 
But so half-heartedly and not selectively. Uh, you know, you can't be selective too when you when you're following Jesus. You you follow him. You, you focus on him, and, and is, you put him first because the Bible says, "Put the Lord first, put God first. And he says, "Love him with all your heart, your soul, and your mind." And that's putting him first and, and meditating on him and, and putting him before everything else. I promise you, if you put God before everything else, everything else will be better. The world's going to tell you that that's not true, but I'm telling you, everything else will be better if you do that. And so, one thing is, too, we have to accept the cross along with the crown. Amen? See, we have to die daily. You're, you have to actually die daily of yourself. And that's not easy, is it? It isn't easy. Dying daily of yourself is I can't do just everything I want to do if, it's, if it doesn't pertain to God, if it's not in God's will. I just can't. I mean, the devil will tell me it's okay. He'll tell you that it's fine. And he'll put the desire there. He'll put everything. But if we have to completely trust in Jesus and meditate on Jesus, or we'll do just like I did at that point in time. I drifted away. But it's important. To put, and so accept the cross. Sometimes you have to understand that um, it's worth it all. No matter what you do for Jesus in the long run, you, you receive your crown. Hallelujah. But so another thing in, in life is, you know, when you're following Jesus, we face adversaries, right? Or adversities. So, and uh, Paul, we know that Paul wrote over uh, most of the New Testament. And Paul wasn't, Paul wasn't the greatest person in the world either until the Lord got a hold of him and changed his life. But, uh, but so Paul, he, he, he did more probably, uh, like I said, in the New Testament and, and spoke more uh, than any, anyone else there. But I want you to turn your Bibles, if you will, too, also to uh, 2 Corinthians and, and look at Paul. Look, now, he loved the Lord and he worked for the Lord, but he, you know, Everywhere he went, Paul was challenged. Because why? Because he put God first. And he put him before everything else in his own life. And he, he was trying to preach the word. He was trying to share the message and the love of Christ. And even the world living today, the world doesn't want to hear that either. But Paul went through some things. So just to show you about having some adversities, look at just this little bit. This is just a few things that Paul went through. And this is what he said in chapter 11, uh, verse 23. He says, are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. He's kind of boasted a little bit more, but not really, because he was trying to tell people, look, I've served God a lot. And basically, I think what he was saying is, some of these troubles that I faced is because I served him more. So then he says, I have worked harder, have been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from the rivers and from the robbers. I have faced danger from my own people. He says... That also, I have faced danger from the Jews as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, 
and on the seas and have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. And you think you had a bad week last week? <laughs> Paul went through a lot of things. And I'm saying, if he had been just living in the world, none of this probably would have ever happened to him. But he was a follower of Christ. And Paul had a heart with compassion that no matter how he was treated, how bad he was going to be beaten, or if he, if he was even going to be put to death, whatever he was going to go through, to him it was worth it. It was worth it if he could, I believe, if he could preach the gospel and just one person would give their life to Jesus. So he devoted his life just for that because that was the cause to save the lost and to give the lost hope. In life, you'll face disappointments. I don't know if y'all have ever had any disappointments in your life, but I have. You get disappointments from, uh, from people. You can even be uh, disappointed from God. I don't know if y'all have ever been disappointed to God, but I have before. And might as well be honest about it because she knows everything anyways. I used to say that to God. This is how I feel, but you already know. But I'm going to tell you anyways. And so, um, this being disappointment, like I said, I've been walking with the Lord a long time. And uh, I love Him truly. I love Him dearly. And um, I remember one time in my life where I was, had disappointment with God was uh, I'd come down with this condition uh, in my arm and uh, had to have surgery, which was what was called an elbow debridement. Uh, and forearm debridement, which was very, very painful. Uh, so I went through that, and uh, three months later, well, it wouldn't heal, and got really, really infected. I mean, it was horrible. And so I had to go under another surgery to do it again. And uh, here I am, I'm praying to God, please, Lord. Everybody had people praying everywhere. Went through that surgery, and then about five months later, it was all doing the same thing again, and then turned into like, looking like a flesh-eating disease. And none of the doctors or hospitals could figure out what it was. So uh, one doctor told me we need to go ahead and amputate your arm because you could die. And because we just do not know what it is, and it was moving up to my shoulder. So, and I'm praying before God, and there's so many people's praying before God, and I'm like, oh, God, you've got to heal me. You've got to heal me. So I finally went through Duke Hospital for a year. They gave up on me. Didn't know what else to do. I went to uh, Baltimore. They, didn't, they couldn't do anything. Went to... Um, Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. And I'll never forget when I was there. So the doctor said, the only thing I know to do is, since we don't know what it is and the way it looks, we could lose your life, is we need to do what we call a, um, a complete removal of the flesh um, on your elbow and then do flesh removal on your wrist and skin graft on your leg to put there and move your arteries. So I was like, I did not want to do it. So he told me I didn't have any choice. So I said, okay. And uh, so we scheduled it. Well, I almost backed out while I was waiting on the three months to get to that. Uh, so it was going to be a two-part surgery. Um, one was going to be on a Tuesday, like an eight-hour surgery. Uh, go do the debridement, clean out. And then that Thursday of the same week, go back in and do what they call the flesh removal and the grass and all that stuff. So anyways, it was bad enough when I got through with the Tuesday surgery. And I was waiting two days in the hospital for the next one. And uh, I remember when I was uh, laying on the hospital bed, they had rolled me back to the room on the hospital bed right before the operating table. So I was just laying there, and I was, I guess I was kind of mad at God. I'm just going to be honest. I said, God, I said, uh, I'm, I'm no better than anybody else. I, and I promise you that. I said, but I believe in prayer, Lord. I have been praying. This has been going on now for like a year or so, almost two years. And I said, I've been praying. 
so many people have been praying. And I know you're the healer. I've seen you heal people that I prayed for. And I've seen you heal thousands of other people that's been prayed for. I know that you're the healer without a doubt. Somebody on this table, and I said, why haven't you healed me? I just want to know why. I want to know why. I was upset with God. And uh, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, um, he said, Tim, he said, I had to crush your heart. And I said, do what? He said, I had to crush your heart. He said, how would you ever feel the pain and the suffering that other people are facing when they're facing it and when they, when they try to tell you or explain it to you and all you can say is, I know how you feel. He says, you do not know how they feel. He said, but I had to crush your heart so that you would have compassion on those that are suffering. And when he said that, I said, yes, sir. I said, I understand, and I still love you. And here came the door open up, let's go. But I got well after that, praise the Lord. Still had the surgery, but got well, praise God. But he had to crush my heart. And when he said that, I can remember you know, people have going through issues and problems, and they come up and tell me, oh, could you pray for me for this and this? I'm going through that. And I said, yeah, I know how you feel. I sure will. I didn't know how they felt. Matter of fact, to this day, I can't even tell anybody that anymore. I can't look at them when they're going through something and say, well, I know how you feel. All I can do is I can have the compassion in my heart to, for, to pray for them and hope that God will help them and, and heal them, whatever they're going through, mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever it may be. But God wanted me to have compassion. And I'm so hard-headed, I guess he had to take me around a long way to get to it. But I would never, ever forget that. Never. And never will. So he crushed my heart. But I want to say, too, that when you're following Jesus, there's, God has great rewards for you. One is abundant life. In John 10, 10, the Bible says that the thief comes to rob, steal, and kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life and give you life to the full. That's our promise from, from God. That's our promise from Jesus, to give you life. Even when the enemy is trying to, to, to rob, steal, and kill you, he's come to give you life. See, the thing about it, when you accept Jesus Christ, what we got to understand is, at that moment, we are already, we are with Christ. He, his Spirit lives inside of you, and you're, the rest of your life, as long as you're on this earth, you are with Christ, and Christ is in you. So it's beginning. It's already begun. I know what my destination is. My destination is in heaven, but I can still enjoy my life here knowing that, hey, Christ is already in me, and I know where I'm going. I can't, I, I used to say, I can't wait to get there. I can wait, but I'm ready to get there. I want to get there. Amen? It's going to be awesome, y'all. We get to heaven, just with all of our friends and loved ones, and to be with Jesus and the saints. It's worth everything you'll ever do in your life to make this work. I'm telling you. So in Christ, here's to tell you some things we have. Here's what we have in Christ. We have freedom from guilt. Amen? Freedom from guilt. When I was walking away from the Lord and doing these things, man, I felt so guilty everywhere I went. It's dumb because I look around, wonder if somebody else knew what I was doing wrong. Guilty. 
I felt guilty when I laid down the night. I felt guilty doing this and that because I wasn't walking straight with the Lord. I, didn't, I wasn't with Him. And, and I knew this verse that I read to you at the beginning where Jesus said that to follow Him, you know, hey, and if you turn back, I knew that. And my mom, my mom, my mom was a minister as well. And so we got preached not just Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. We got preached every day by my mom. I mean, every day was a good sermon. Praise God. I miss her right now. Her and my dad both are in heaven with Jesus right now. And I miss them. And I'm jealous because they're fellowshipping with Jesus every day. And it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see them. Oh, boy, I can't wait to see them. Uh, and then, uh, so, so, freedom from guilt. All right, also... Uh, Friendship with God and the saints. That's what you have now. See, being a friend of God, that song, there's a song, I am a friend of God. I love that song. And I'm not going to sing it because everybody will leave. But I am a friend of God. Man, being a friend, do you know how important that is? Anybody here got regular friends? Everybody's got friends. But it's good to have a good friend, isn't it? But you know how good it is for God to be your best friend? Oh, my God. You know, we don't, we don't talk that way. Because you imagine you walk around with people and say, well, I gotta go to, I'm going to see my friend, hang out with my friend a little bit. And they say, oh, yeah, who are you going to see? I'm going to, I'm going to hang out with God. <laughs> huh? Well, God's my best friend. Yeah, I know. You're going to say the same thing. Too. Oh, he's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but God should be your best friend. See, when my daughter was little, she had these imaginary friends. And I mean bad. My wife was worried about her. She kept saying, we probably need to take her to the doctor. She's got a lot of friends that we don't see. I told her, leave her alone. She's just a small child. But think about God being your best friend. He is. I don't worry about what people think about me. Everybody knows I'm crazy. But God is my best friend. Amen. And I don't care who, what they want to say. Who, whatever. Hey, God's my best friend. But so we have fellowship with God and the saints. And guess what? We're also joint heirs with Christ. Being a joint heir should make you very, very happy this morning. You know why? Because when you're a joint heir of Jesus Christ, a joint heir of God, guess what? He's your father and you're a joint heir. Everything that God has, everything that God has possession of is yours. I'll take it. Hallelujah. Everything that he has is yours. Everything. And we did get down to our mind that right now we might not see everything, but it's still yours. But we're going to have it one day. But right now we have more than I think we really realize from God when we're joint heirs of God. But in the, in the very end, man, everything that's God is yours. That makes me say hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't deserve it. But he loves me just that much. See, when I was small, my dad would, would, would spank me. Well, we call it spank, switched or spanked or whatever. And, uh, I, you know, I've got plenty of those. But he would always tell me, this is hurting me a lot more than it's hurting you. And I would always tell him, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> but he would tell me every time. I said, like, you know, you have to say that. It doesn't make it feel any bit better. I don't know why he did that. But this is hurting me more. But joint airs. Man, thank you, Lord. He didn't have to do that. He could have said, I'm just going to give you a little uh, cabin on the hill when you get to heaven or one-room apartment or whatever. But God, he's got everything. I want to preach a sermon one time about heaven, what it's like when you get to heaven. Well, not today, though. 
But it's awesome. It's awesome. It's worth everything to get there to be with our loved ones in Jesus and God. All right, so anyways, so you, uh, you also have a membership in the blood-bought church. Woo! See, when I came in this morning, I, I love, I hadn't been here in the last couple of weeks because I had vacation weekends. And so I hadn't been here. So when I came this morning, it was like, and I, I'm speaking too. I'm like, man, I feel like a guest. <laughs> I feel like a guest. I missed two Sundays in a row, and I just feel like a guest now. But I love coming to church. I love being able to come and be with you because it inspires me. It builds me up. It encourages me. And then when we worship God together, and I love our worship. I'll brag on Coastal's worship because I love being able to come here and meditate and worship God. And uh, so but being able to do that and then do it together is important. See, you may not know it, but we need each other. you got enough enemies. Hello? You're a membership with one another, and members always look out for one another. If you're not, you need to tighten up. We need to be praying for one another and holding everybody's back, looking out for one another, interceding for one another, loving one another, supporting one another. We don't see that much anymore. But that's what we, where we need to be. Supporting, loving, understanding. Don't just tell somebody I understand. No. Try to understand. So I remember when I was a little kid, we had, uh, I was like eight years old. Me, I had two brothers, me and my brothers, and the two guys that lived behind us were all little. We, uh, we, we wanted to figure out something about a club and a membership. A membership. So we built this little fort out in the woods. And uh, I'll never forget, I painted these signs. And we built that fort. We kept going to the, to the woods, and people had dumped out lumber and built the whole thing. And we, we named that club the YBC Club, Young Boys Club. It was the best thing ever happened to us. Eight, nine years old, running around, parents letting you go out in the woods all day long. We stayed out in the woods all day long. You can't do that anymore. People say, oh, my God, my child's been gone for 10 minutes. We were in the woods all day until dinner time. And I remember we said, now, look, it's important that we become blood brothers. Oh, okay. So we all cut our fingers, right? We all did this, one another. People can't do that no more either. But we all became blood brothers. So I saw one of my blood brothers in Lowe's uh, uh, two weeks ago, and we were talking. I said, what's going on there, brother? He said, what's happening? I said, look. I said, uh, we got to talking. I said, uh, you know what? He said, what? He, he was talking about how much we love one another. That's what you should do, people. You should love people. And don't be ashamed or don't feel bad about something. You love them. You love them. So I said, man, I love you. I said, you know what? We, keep, we ain't thought about it in a long time. But you know what? We're still blood brothers. He said, yeah, we are. I remember now we cut our fingers. But we'll always be blood brothers. Always. The same thing with you guys. When we're saved and we're the members of the body of Christ, we're blood brothers from the blood from Jesus Christ. So we are the blood brothers together in Jesus Christ. His blood. His blood is what gives you righteousness and, and forgiveness and, and saves you. So just think about it. We're blood brothers with Jesus. Hallelujah. Blood brothers with Jesus. So, and then also spiritual blessings of Christ. You know what? The Bible says that all God's spiritual blessings belong to you. Not just a few of them. And there's a lot of them. And it's very important to have spiritual blessings. But I think a lot of times we, we miss out on it because how much focused are we on God about, Lord, or are we asking God, God, I need your spiritual blessings. 
God wants to bless you with all His spiritual blessings. All of them. And not limited. See, that's the good thing about God. He don't like to limit us. He likes to fully give you all. So praise the Lord for that. And also, um, God's protection. Do you know that you're under a shield when you're saved? When you've accepted Christ, there's, there's all kinds of demonic uh, and, and evil forces in the spiritual realm. And when you're saved and you're blood-bought child of God, God and His angels protect you. In other words, they got you covered. If it wasn't for that, and the enemy wants to do whatever he wants to do, the enemy would just, like the Bible said, rob, steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus and, his, and, and the angels and, and the, the spirits protect, protecting you to keep you safe every day. To me, that's very, very, very nice. Very important. Because he's keeping us safe. We don't see it. But if you did see it, we probably would be, you'd probably go crazy. If you could see everything that's going on in the spiritual realm. But God's hand is on you. He is protecting you. He is keeping you safe. He also, God's peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Amen? Amen. If you don't have that peace that he's talking about, you need the peace of God that passes all understanding. There's nothing like it. Because in life, you're going to go through things like we even talked about Paul. You're going to go through things in life where you're going to need the peace of God. You're going to need the peace, the full peace of God so that, that you can just survive. So that you can do the right thing. So that you don't do the wrong thing. And so anyways, when you do the wrong thing, you can still get back and do the right thing. But the peace of God is what makes you, that's, that's what keeps me going every day. Because I have to have the peace of God. Or I would be so miserable. But thank God He gives us that. And then He gives you what we want to say, eternal life. Amen. Eternal life, which means eternity. Life to live forever and eternity. I've preached a lot of funerals. And I, I hate, I say I hate it, I hate preaching funerals because I just, I just feel like that, well, I don't mind preaching funerals when it's someone that was saved, but someone you knew that wasn't saved. That's what I'm trying to say. That's the hardest thing and the hardest thing to have to do, to preach a funeral to someone you knew or pretty sure that wasn't saved and wasn't going to heaven. It's hard. It's hard. So, eternal life. Thank you, Lord. See, when Jesus died and he, he gave his life for us, he hung on the cross, he took away your sins. All you had to do was ask him, believe, receive him, and he gives you eternal life. Just like that. And guess what? The enemy can't take it away from him. The Bible says that he, he can't, he, even though he would try to snatch it and snare it away from you, your salvation is a guaranteed deposit. When your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, God writes your name down in His book. And guess what? It's probably got one of the little guaranteed seals on it. Because the Bible says it's a guaranteed seal. And that's what a guaranteed seal is. We all have responsibilities in the Lord. One is to show your love by keeping His commandments. Hallelujah. Keeping His commandments. And then the other one, worship and serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Worship God. Serve God. Coming in here this morning, we come to worship the Lord, didn't we? Amen. We come to serve God by loving others and doing for others and, and doing the things of God. Hallelujah. So I want to ask you this morning. 
Will you trust the Bible? Will you trust this word? There's your owner's manual right there. And the whole thing about it is it's, it's the greatest book in the world. It's got love stories. It's got, I mean, horror stories if you want to ask me. It's got everything in there about how to live, how not to live, where to go, where not to go, what to do, how to love one another. This is your owner's manual this morning. And it's full and it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Let it fill your life. I encourage you to read your Bible more. To, to keep it and meditate upon God's Word. The Bible says meditate on Him day and night. It does everything for you. So will you follow Jesus? Will you follow Jesus is the question this morning. I know, like Jesus said, He didn't even have a place to lay His head. But I'll tell you what He is this morning. He is the King. He's the King. He would do everything, everything, and has done everything possible to give you a chance to accept Him and to give Him your life. Let us pray. You know, there's maybe some of you in here this morning. Maybe you were like I was when I walked away from the Lord and I felt guilty and I was running from God. And dumb as I was to keep saying, God, please don't let me die until I get back to you. I just knew that I wasn't living right. But God kept me. He kept me. And I kept asking, why am I doing these things? Why am I not giving God my full life? Why am I not following Him? Like He says, why am I not walking in Him? If you're in here this morning, and maybe you're in that same place, and you just feel that, you know you feel the guilt. You may say, you just know that you're not doing right, and you're not walking close with God, and you... You feel like you're missing a mark and you just feel like you're not right there where you need to be in Christ this morning. And God loves you. He loves you more than anything. If that's you, you just want to raise your hand to God and say, God, here I am. I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry that maybe I've missed the mark a little bit. Or maybe, God, I'm sorry that, that I haven't done everything you want me to do, I feel like. Or, God, I feel like I'm just not as close as I need to be with you. If that's you this morning, you want to raise your hand and say, God, and God, just come into my heart. Lord, and feel me. And Lord, get me back to where I need to be and forgive me of my sins. God bless you. God bless you. Or maybe you in here this morning and you've never, never, ever made that decision as Jesus said, just follow me. Something's been keeping you back. You know what it is. You know what it is. What's the most important thing in your life this morning? What is the most important thing? If you've never accepted Christ this morning, He died for you. He made it so that all you'd have to do is believe on Him. Ask Him to come in your heart. Forgive you of your sins. And He said He would give you eternal life. It's just that simple. This morning, would you like to say, Lord, take me. I want to be yours. I want to be your joint heir, God. Would you, like, would you raise your hand this morning and say, God, would you forgive me of my sins? I promise you this morning, God will forgive you of your sins. I promise you. He's waiting on you right now. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, never eye closed. God is waiting on you. Is the day your day? Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, amen. I want to say this morning, God is good. All the time and all the time, God is good. Remember about your owner's manual. Keep it closer to you. Try to keep reading it. Keep fellowshipping with God. God loves you, and I love you. God bless you. Thank you, brother.